Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Product Social, a podcast where we talk about interesting products, their history and their journey that can help in everyday product development. I'm Shivendra Srivastava, Engineering Manager at Amazon. And I am Seema Bansal, Product Manager at Microsoft. Continuing on our series of what not to do while building products, today we are going to talk about not being biased when assessing customer problems. Let's try to unpack what it actually means, Shivendra. Well, that's a very good question. You know what? It actually reminds me of the Amazon leadership principle of customer obsession. At Amazon, we strive to start with the customer and work backwards. We work vigorously to earn and keep customer trust. We do pay attention to our competitors, but always, always obsess over customers. Mm -hmm. And personally, I've expanded the definition to also work vigorously to remove any biases when assessing the problem space of a product. Yeah, so I think when we talk about assessing customer problems, I also feel that it is all—it is actually more important than building a product. What do you mean? Yeah, like imagine you build a product, mm-hmm. you deliver it, and you market it. And then you suddenly come to realize that there was an implicit bias while understanding the needs of your customer. And guess what? You're missing a bunch of features. So now the product that you worked so hard for is not really a success, right? And it could be really painful. And you know what? I have an amazing story to illustrate how exactly painful this could be. You know, let's talk about Coca-Cola. Wait, you mean the company that's serving about 2 billion drinks in what 200 countries every day? What did they do wrong? Yes, they are. They are actually serving 2 billion servings across 200 countries every day. And they are quintessentially associated with the emotions of friendship, relaxation, happiness, and love. But you know what? In the mid-1980s, the company made a decision to introduce a new beverage product that was sweeter than their original product. The company had evidence that taste was the single most important cause of Coke's decline in the market share in the 70s and the 80s. You know what? They also conducted about 200k blind product taste tests in the US and found that more than one half of the participants favored the new sweeter Coke over both the original formula and Pepsi. In fact, they almost conducted about 200,000 blind product taste, taste tests in the US. And they actually found that more than one half of the participants favored the new sweeter Coke over both the original formula and Pepsi. Guess what? This confirmed their belief that a change in the taste would increase their sales. The next thing was they launched the new product and it turned out to be a big mistake. The sales declined even more and nobody liked the new Coke. Eventually, the company reintroduced the original formula as Coke Classic and tried to market both the products simultaneously. That failed too. Ultimately, the new Coke was withdrawn from the market. Now, what do we learn from this amazing story? Even the most successful companies can make mistakes that can cost a lot of money and more importantly, a lot of customer dissatisfaction. So Shivina, what could you think Coca-Cola could have done potentially differently to arrive at a better outcome? That's a very good question. And I think let's dive a little bit deeper into what they've actually done, right? We have to start to identify the mistakes so we can think about what they could have done differently. Sure. The very first part was they assumed that the taste was the reason for the decline of the sales in their product, mm. right? Second, they did not realize a very important thing in our everyday lives. 
the symbolic and emotional connect that people have with things that they use on a daily basis. And so was their connection with the original Coke. And third, they never asked their consumers in their taste tests that how would they feel if they happened to discontinue their original Coke. So everybody who tasted the product, the new product, assumed that the older one was going to be around. And so they were like, yeah, this is more sweeter than the original one. So then let's go back to a question now that we've gone through the mistakes. What could they have done better? What do you think, Seema? I think they could have validated it with bigger audience group. That's correct. They could have validated their assumptions about taste being the reason or not. They could have chosen a much bigger you know, um, uh, test group, not just 200,000, maybe they could have gone wider. They could have had more questions in their surveys about how customers feel about the original Coke versus the new Coke. And they could have also asked questions that if they were to discontinue the original Coke, how would the consumers feel, right? Isn't that what they wanted to do all along? So that question itself was missing. And that probably is the key learning from the story. But if I were to kind of summarize it, understanding customer problems and embracing their journey is the only way we can build product that truly help our customers. And this does not just apply to product managers. It applies to everyone in the development of the product. Good to learn from the story, Shivendra. Coca-Cola does have an impressive track record to propel itself as one of the most successful drinks in history. So I am sure their product teams are also learning from their own initiatives. Well, if we look into tech product teams today, you know, I get it. You know, you are a product manager, you may have advanced technical training. Now you are charting out the best path forward for your entire product team. So it's quite a common pitfall for PMs to want to drive features they want to drive. After all, some may call product managers as almost the CEO of the product as well. However, that doesn't mean that you know it all. If you are a product manager, be on a lookout for your own biases as well. Focus on the customer needs as you mentioned, right? So document personas, you may be just one of them. As we talked about Coca-Cola, let's take another story. Even the best in the field may miss out. Shivendra, okay, isn't it amazing how easy these days to unlock your smartphones? It is, in fact. You just pick up your phone, and as long as you have your face configured, it unlocks just by recognizing you. You know how it started? So let's talk about that. So Google first debuted their new feature of facial recognition way back in time, right? 2014 or so. That's right. And you know how it started, Shivendra? Probably some AI magic going on. <laughs> right. So Google first debuted their new feature of facial recognition unlock system, or as we call it, Face ID, right? And in the very first version of release, this facial recognition algorithm failed to recognize people with dark skin company faced many questions about the bias problems. Learning from that nowadays, product teams have reformed their product release processes 
to test their features with larger set of participants, which have even wider representation. That's a great story. But what do you think went wrong there? All right, so let's try and unpack this feature. While the focus specially was on facial recognition feature, but the discussed problem is broad. The first mistake was failing to identify and eliminate inequalities in the field of artificial intelligence itself. Well, that is, the researchers at a major US tech company claimed an accuracy rate of more than 97%. But wait, the data set used to assess its performance, that was 77% male. And in fact, 83% were white. No wonder the mistake <laughs> happened. So now it's not just about computer vision problem, but indeed biases in who is in the tech being essentially solving problems for. Secondly, the team failed to report performance gaps from results of the demographic tests. Assuming this product team is creating that product for everyone, then it should simply work for everyone. Therefore, team should have caught the error metric instead of feeding themselves the false sense of progress, right? We all have seen that. Many times over. With the failures they were noticing in their tests, they could have potentially caught the earlier, looking into the patterns, what caused those failures, right? So learning from this example, next time, let's try catch ourselves in our own product team's biases, for it could have impacts on the product failure. That's actually very true, Seema. In fact, from your story, it also is evident that not only biases in product managers or the people who are developing the product, there could be biases in the data set or in the technology that you're using to build the product. So it, pro it probably makes a lot more sense to kind of review and kind of remove your biases mm. during product development. Yeah. Now let's talk about a brand or a product that absolutely nailed it. Well, I cannot think of anything other than, you know, Netflix, the streaming service that revolutionized the at-home movie experience. You know, it all started out with the founder, Reed Hastings, having to pay about $40 in fines for a movie rental from Blockbuster. And then he set out to see how he could avoid paying such high fees in fines and also not have to make so many trips to pick up movies to watch. Well, Seema, how do you watch movies today? Obviously, streaming services. <laughs> well, that's how easy he wanted it to be. So he started out by enabling customers to order DVDs from home. He eliminated the cumbersome VHS cassettes, replaced them by DVDs that had better quality of movies and made it possible to return by mail. Doing this, Netflix not only brought DVDs to the forefront, but also beat Blockbuster at its own business. And not just beating at its own business, Netflix eventually caused the shutdown of Blockbuster. What Netflix did is something that anybody developing a product should keep in mind, understanding the customer pain and going through the customer journey. In this case, it was paying exorbitant fees for a lower quality movie experience. Netflix realized a gap, adopted the new DVD technology and made it possible to return by mail, thereby avoiding high costs for standalone stores. And as they say, rest is history, right? Now it has such a huge selection of movies, TV shows, both old and new, and still keeping the ease of use as core of their user interface. Today, there are many other platforms as well, but 
Netflix has set some gold standards out there for all the other OTT platforms. So what did we learn from today's amazing product stories? Having assumptions and biases about consumer behavior almost always results in a product failure. So the question is, how do we get rid of those biases? Well, the first is to validate your assumptions by conducting a deeper consumer research. Involve your peer product managers, engineering leads to cross-check your questions or data metrics that you are looking into when you draw those conclusions. Second, weed out the biases even from the data sets you're using to develop the tech on. As product managers, especially consumer product managers, you may also be consuming the product yourself. So when designing a new feature, consider broader spectrum of users and their needs. So you may be only be representing a small fraction of users. And the third, understand your customer, wear their shoes and go through their journey. When you do so, you will not only be able to uncover your own biases, but will also be able to provide an amazing customer experience. Thank you all for listening to us today. Please like, share and subscribe to our podcast and reach out to us if you are interested in talking about product management as well.